Hi, this is Ivy Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is zibbyowens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Hi, everyone. Starting at 1 p.m. Eastern Time today on April 13th, I am really excited to announce that for the first time ever, you can read along with me on the Fable social platform for book clubs and book lovers. Go to fable.co and you'll find my brand new reading club. All the books that I'm featuring in Zibby's virtual book club which many of you are members of and the rest of you should be, will be featured on Fable. So you can get even more features than you would get just from reading the book from a store. You can go to the ebook and I have highlighted and made comments and it's like an enhanced reading experience. Plus there'll be events and just so much more in the app. Plus I'll always have some reading picks for you there as well in my little Fable folio. So please go check it out, fable.co and look for my reading club. I can't wait to read with you. Paula McLean is the author of When the Stars Go Dark, a novel. She's the New York Times bestselling author also of the novels Love and Ruin, Circling the Sun, The Paris Wife, and A Ticket to Ride. The memoir, Like Family, Growing Up in Other People's Houses, and Two Collections of Poetry. Her writing has appeared in the New York Times, Good Housekeeping, Oh, the Oprah Magazine, Town and Country, The Guardian, The Huffington Post, and elsewhere. She currently lives in Ohio with her family. Welcome, Paula. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss When the Stars Go Dark and everything else in your amazing collection of work. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. And I just want to thank you for being such an advocate for books and authors, an ambassador, an ambassadress, Ooh, if that's a I'll word. I'll take it. No, seriously, I just want you to know that it really matters to have, you know, real people out there who love books and community. And anyway, I believe books connect us. I believe all that stuff. And so... Thank oh, you. that made my day. Thank you so much. I also believe books connect us and I feel like stories are so important. And I mean, look at the way that you took this book, right? Like I was on the edge of my seat reading this book to the point where my husband's like, what's going on over there? You know? And I'm like, okay. you know, I'm like, wait, don't, don't talk to me. Right. We can't have dinner. Hold on. We're like, you know, in this big crime scene and whatever. Anyway, Well, I take that as the highest possible compliments. I mean, that's why we read, right? I mean, when I was a kid, that's totally why I read, to get lost in the world, right? We think of escape as something with negative connotations, and yet it has such powerful positive connotations as well, if we give it half a minute, right? Like this year, for instance, haven't we needed books to escape? And also to just give us a connection to something else, something bigger than ourselves, right? Stories that inspire us, stories that feed our soul. I mean, sometimes even entertainment to distract us for that hour or two, for instance, from things that are heavy or stressful is, I find it meditative. I mean, it's sort of like 
yoga, right? I mean, it's the yeah. only way to literally get somebody else's voice in your head and displace all of your own sort of conscious thoughts for a minute and delve completely. Even when I watch a movie, it's not exactly the same thing, right? Cause I'm like, where's my popcorn? And like, you know, I can still like do other things or like attend mm-hmm. to something, but in a book, it's but a book. No, it just grabs you and pulls you in. Yeah. And I always think too, that is what meditation does, right? And mindfulness or even yoga. Like if you're in a yoga class and you get super sweaty and suddenly you realize the reason you feel relaxed is because it's turned off the, the loop where you're reminding yourself of the million things you need to do or all the anxiety you've been feeling about your parents or your kids or your lists and the lists with the lists and the addendums to yes. the lists. <laughs> <laughs> lists I email to myself, lists I keep on the side. Yes, totally get it. Exactly. Exactly. We're hearing a lot and we're doing a lot. And I believe that we have every right to need a great story every once in a while. It so. is. It's a treat. And by the way, yoga does not do that for me. So I'm kind of jealous. Does that for you? <laughs> yoga is like, I'm so self-conscious. I can't even do yoga by myself without having my interior monologue going like nonstop. So yeah. Yeah. I don't think you're alone. I think it's like in moments, like in little moments, I can't even do meditation without having the, I can't even do meditation. End of sentence period, (laughs) 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 but books, I can read book after book after book. Yeah. And it's true. You don't even know where you go. Like the person sitting next to you doesn't know that like all of a sudden I'm in the woods or like I'm in this, you know, the the eggs are being burned on the stove and now like my heart is pounding and the dog barking and the police coming in. And I'm like, I am going through all this right now, except I'm not, except I'm sitting on my bed. I don't know. Yes. So I I constantly am marveling at this. All All of that. that. All of that. (laughs) So Paula, you have an, an author's letter at the beginning where you talk about the fact that you've sort of switched genres, right? That you wrote The Paris Wife, which was amazing, obviously. And now you've sort of moved into this more haunting thriller-esque, although it doesn't, it's not really like a thriller. It's more like a mystery. Yeah, like literary suspense. Yeah, that's a better word. Mystery, I guess, is what it is. But none of that was premeditated. I got hijacked. I was in the middle of writing my third historical, which is called Love and Ruin. And it's another Hemingway novel, but the character at the center is really Martha Gellhorn, who is a journalist who is his third wife. She was a war correspondent and an utter badass. So I'm in that world. I'm in Madrid, right? Franco's army, they're in the trenches, like all this crazy stuff. And I went for a walk with my dog, which I do every day, twice a day, because I'm a really good dog mom. And I need that too, for that thing we were talking about, about getting out of your, getting out of your head and putting things down for a bit. But I'm on a walk with my dog and suddenly this character flares up, this detective character. And it happens sometimes. It happens sometimes, particularly on dog walks or like, you know, in the shower or in a long car ride or something. I believe that, I don't know, whatever pulls that some rhythmic quality to the movement or that that invites inspiration. That's what I think it is. I don't know. It's mysterious. Did you ever read... Liz Gilbert's Big Magic. No. About about creativity and what what it is and where it comes from, but it's mysterious. So here was this character that just came out of the sky. And I pictured this missing persons detective who is troubled, who has, who's caring a lot. And this girl 
who vanishes in thin air and the connection that they have. And I knew that it had to be set in Mendocino because it's a place that really matters to me from my connection to California. I'm a California native. And by the time I got home with the dog, I could see the whole thing. I could see the whole thing. It was like this shimmering, electrical, magical thing. But what do I know about suspense, right? So I'm just like, crazy idea, crazy idea. I put it down, but it came back. And I put it down, but it came back. I put it down, but it came back. So I floated it to my agent. And she's like, oh my God, yes. 100% yes, 900% yes. Maybe it has to be a series. And so I decided I would try. It's not easy, right? It's not easy because I was afraid... You know, it was great to have my agent on board. She's my number one reader. She's the person who sort of reads all my drafts and stuff. But the publishing company, Random House, right? My editor, all those people who actually pay me. (laughs) I was afraid to tell them because I had carved out a successful career for myself. And so my agent said, and this was scary too, don't let's not sell let's not sell them on an idea let's not say paula mclean is going to try to write a mystery now and there's a detective see and a missing girl and uh, she's like write it write it the way it is in your mind write the hell out of it and then we'll show them that book when that book is done and so that's what we did but for a year and a half as i was drafting it's like jump just jumping over a cliff I was terrified. Can I really do this? You know, all the voices, right? Fraud anxiety, the, right? What am I taking on? Am I completely out of my mind, over my head, out of my depth? But along the way, it was so exciting. (laughs) It was so exciting because I was learning something new. Like my brain was firing on all cylinders the way it does when we learn something new. And so I had challenged myself, right? I had challenged myself and I had taken the ceiling away. It had been 10 years since I had allowed myself to spin out a tale about an entirely imaginary character. So my whole creative process suddenly was re-energized. So what did you tell your the Random House people when you were secretly writing another book? <laughs> Did they think you were just like, you know, whiling away the time? Yes, they thought they knew I was working on something new and that I wasn't talking about it. That I wasn't talking about it. She's not ready, basically, is what my agent kept telling them. She's working. It's exciting. We can't wait to show you, but she's not quite ready. And so it was just thrilling when we finally did show them and they were convinced and on board and persuaded and no one, not any way up the line, not publicity, not marketing, not my publisher, no one along the way said, what is she doing? They only said, yes, this book. So felt amazing. Felt amazing when you take a risk, right? When you take a risk and the payoff comes, you know, just with this yes. Well, it was meant to be. I mean, you had it was a story you had to tell. It was like, it, it was yours to tell. You couldn't not tell it. I think so. Thank you for putting that language to it because it did start to feel that way 
the deeper I got. I didn't know on the dog walk that I was going to give Anna Hart, my detective, my experiences in foster care. That was like the third draft. I didn't know, but the seed was there. The seed was there to write a character who maybe I had more in common with, right? Than Hadley Richardson, Hemingway's wife, than Beryl Markham, this kick-ass aviator from colonial Kenya, right? Suddenly the stitches can come more naturally. We're imagining a character and they're what they're wrestling with, right? Like we all are wrestling with the past, our regrets, trying to make sense of our choices and our lives, trying to move forward and understanding what keeps us from moving forward, you know? Wow. I wonder if people outside of sort of the literary community would view what you did as as big a risk as you felt like it was. Do you know what I mean? Like, I understand how, like, when you're so firmly entrenched in, like, a, a genre that it feels like life-changing. But I wonder more, if, like, like, dramatic, yeah. like, much more dramatic to me. Like, some people might think, like, well, yeah, she's an amazing author. She can write whatever she wants. She can write whatever she wants. Right. I mean, I guess I would say I don't think writers feel that level of just utter freedom all the time, particularly if you have a franchise, right? So let's say Lisa Scottolini has just written a historical, mm-hmm. yep. right? She's made her name doing something entirely different. What will her fans think? Will they be able to have the creative, you know, the imagination and the to follow her into that realm? Or would they say, this is not who she is. This is not what she does, right? But this is like, you know, watching your favorite actress all of a sudden go from comedy to drama. Mm-hmm. Like, that's okay. I'm going to watch her no matter where she goes. And yeah. and she's probably really good at both. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're onto something though. I think we as writers might have our own limitations more than the ones that exist. They might be in our head. I, I, I'm not saying it's all in your head. I'm just saying, I think that readers are more flexible, right? They, they love yeah. how you write. They don't love what, yeah. ne- maybe maybe they're not even that <laughs> into historical fiction, but you're such a great writer. Maybe, oh, right. Maybe it's the right. So that's super interesting. At one point, I remember having crisis of confidence, like this big I'd written, it was, it was like the first draft still. And I'm like, okay, so now I have FBI guys and I don't know how to write FBI guys. And like, do I have them all in a room, but I don't want to write that book. And this was a conversation I was having with my agent and she's like, sweetheart, you're not writing a procedural. You're, you're writing about people. That's what you do. You write about people. So just do that. And you can't go wrong. And that's what we do in, in the end, when you boil it down, we're telling stories. Yeah. About and people. you're asking all sorts of questions. I mean, I think that's a large part of this book is like, you know, Anna sort of sitting on the floor with, now I'm not going to remember, the friend who's, the, what's the name of the friend? And he's like in the beanbag in his room and she's like sitting there. And oh, she's like, Gray Benson. Yeah, right. Gray Benson. Gray sorry. Benson, right. And you can just see that like, yeah. so she's down there and she's like, I, you know, she's getting it out of him. She's like, I'm listening. I hear your story. And that's what the whole thing was, is like, she can put herself in that in the, any missing person's shoes because she has things that she can relate to. And it's all about like different moments of empathy and listening. And that's just like the human experience. That's why I was like, it's not really a thriller per se, because it's this quest for answers, which 
at its core, we're all sort of looking for in some way, shape or form, right? Yeah, yeah. So not a mystery, but about mystery. Yeah. The mystery of being human. And thanks for the insight and sort of getting that moment between Anna and Gray, which is one of my favorite moments in the book because it shows what her gifts are, right? And that he he needs to unburden himself. Like he actually needs to put it down. And maybe no one's really listened to him in that exact way before, right? She connects. And she connects. And one of the reasons that she connects is because she's experienced childhood trauma. And this is something I have in common with my character. I experienced childhood trauma too. And I believe it has everything to do with my empathy and the empathetic imagination and why I'm interested so much in people and what they do and why they do those things, right? The good and the bad, the good and the bad, you know, there's no such thing as a hundred percent hero. There's no such thing as a hundred percent victim or, or, or villain or any of it, right? That we're all shades of gray. There's always complexity in the human story. That's what I'm interested in. I think you show that a lot with your character, Hap, how he's always sort of trying to show the darkness and, you know, point out the risks, but doing so in a moment, doing so out of love, right? Like it's all leading the way can also be just shining the light on the dark. Mm, That was very poetically said. Yeah. Yeah. So Hap is one of the characters that came to me immediately when I, I didn't know why, like, who is this guy? You know, writers sometimes say, they, my characters just started talking to me and that usually doesn't happen, but here it kind of did. I'm like, okay. And I think Hap might be the father I wished I had had when I was a kid, right? Who understood me and who understood that I needed not pity, right? But space to trust myself, space to trust myself, to become competent, right? At one point, Anna says about Hap, he was a wise man. He'd already learned how to talk to me, survivor to survive. That scene in the car was insane. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yes. He's teaching her skills for how to survive in the woods. And she's a kid who's been really She's gone through the ringer emotionally. She's had too, way too much loss and people have given up on her. And so he, he intuits really. And she needs, he doesn't tell her, you know, that she should trust him. He doesn't think that she should immediately sort of give up all her secrets. And right, people have layers and they become this, he becomes her North Star essentially. Right. And then interestingly, you have his wife who also has these visions and you have a medium who's also, you know, you're tuning into so often. And I like totally believe in that. I don't know if I should admit that, but like, I'm, I've I've, like talked to a medium, (laughs) I'm all in. This is a safe safe place. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm not sure I could have put a medium in the book if I hadn't also, and whether I believe or not, I have had experiences that I can't explain rationally, right? So if Hap is her connection to the natural world, Eden, her foster mother, who is a sort of like a modern day mystic, is her connection to the ineffable, everything that's bigger, right? And 
I think they really provide this interesting balance. Also, Eden does this remarkable thing, which is that she forgives Anna, Mm -hmm. right? For all of her mistakes, because she knows that humans are infinitely complicated. So basically she invites Anna to give herself kind of more of a break and to kind of forgive herself for the things that she's carrying around, the, the pieces of her past and her regrets. Yeah, I love these people. I mean, you can tell, right? I mean, they they feel incredibly real to me. Well, you made them very real. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like there's this alternate world where all the characters of all these books live. And I'm like just spending the years, like getting to know all the characters. I'm like, what, what planet am I living on? But I could actually like Hap and Eden could walk in and- Maybe it's like the good place, right? Eleanor in the good place. Maybe that's heaven. Like we go to heaven and all of our favorite characters. Oh my gosh. Wouldn't that be cool? You get to choose the room of like which book you go into and you know, anyway. Wow. Well, I know you've referenced your own past in your modern love article. I was like, oh my gosh, like this piece that you just wrote was so, I mean, I, I was like holding my heart reading it the whole time. I can't believe what you've gone through as a child. I can't believe how amazingly you could write about it in just like the way you can evoke feeling in the reader and like put yourself right there and then also turn it into this book and all the things you're doing and having gone through that like my heart just broke for you as as a child I mean and it's so brave of you to like put it not brave that's such a cliche word but just um it's so it is I mean it is it does take courage to be vulnerable. I mean, Brene Brown, right? Can I get a witness? It takes personal courage to sort of stand up and say, these are my, this is what I'm dealing with, right? These are, we all have something. There's nobody that gets through life without being wounded, without suffering. We all suffer, right? We just don't talk about it. And so, you know, childhood trauma, sexual violence, it's all around us. It's everywhere. It permeates every level of our culture, society, across cultures, in every, in every part of the world, to every age group. It's everywhere. And so, but we never talk about it. We're terrified, I think, of how dark it is. But what you were saying about HAP, right? Sometimes all we can do is shine a light on the dark places to give voice to these things that are all around us. And well, back to Brene Brown really quickly, she says, you know, shame cannot survive the light, right? So that's empowerment. Talking about it is empowerment. Even if those conversations aren't, you know, I wrote an essay millions of people read, right? But sometimes it's just conversations between women. It's telling your best friend or your sister or, right, your daughter, so that she understands this is part of your story and that telling that story and giving voice to it is a way of taking up some power, right? And shining a light on that. So I don't know. I think it's positive. It's positive to talk about it. It makes us super uncomfortable, but you know what? We're already uncomfortable right now, right? I mean, everything we've been through this year, all of the uncertainty and fear, all the tensions around race. And, you know, we're being invited. 
we're basically being bitch slapped too by the universe. Like it's time, the environmental stuff, right? It's time to have these hard conversations because it's already here. We're not being in denial. It's not going to help us. It's not, that's not the way to move forward. How about taking someone like you who already has such an audience, you know, as you feel is for your, <laughs> for your current novels, I think it's just for your writing, but to, to have someone like you be a, a leader in that and saying like, okay, well, here's another way I'm going to open up. Like, what do you, like, what do you have? Like, what's, what's going to, you know, yeah. now it's your turn, <laughs> right? Imagine what would all come out. Yeah. So. Yeah, it is a little more, it's definitely more exposing because what I've done is connect the dots. I've clearly connected the dots between my own personal story and what I'm writing about. And I've never really done that before. So for instance, friends of mine who read The Paris Wife find it incredibly emotional because they know that I was going through a divorce at the time that I was reading, but nobody else is going to know that, right? Or... Beryl Markham lost her mother when she was four. I lost my mother when I was four. People who know that about me know that that was my emotional connection to that character. But the world at large isn't going to know that. So here it's like all the veils are kind of, all the veils are falling away and I'm just being more open about it because I think it's a conversation we need to have. And because I, it's the same way as it be. I don't like to make small talk, you know, at a cocktail party. To me, that's just like death. Like I want to have a deep, rich conversation about all this stuff. Me too. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> Let's talk about this stuff. Let's talk about this right? stuff. I love it. Wow. Thank you. I'm obsessed with this. If you wonder with this kombucha, <laughs> that's what I'm drinking. That's my little treat right now. I'm having this conversation with you. And I'm drinking ginger, blood orange. Amazing. I'm drinking blackberry infused hint water. FYI, it actually looks like I'm done. So that's good. That's my water for the day. <laughs> you know, I've seen that around and I've seen all the boxes around. It's good. With the hint water. I really, actually, the founder was on this podcast. Her name is Kara Golden. And she wrote a book called Undaunted, which is good. And actually speaking of other books, have you read Renee Denfeld's The Butterfly Effect? And do you know Renee? Oh yes, isn't she Very good? Because I was like, gonna. Did you read her first book, The Childfinder? I never read The Childfinder, but I read The Butterfly Effect. Okay, put that on I, your I, list. Yes, okay. it's on my list. Exactly. So one of the reasons that I really admire, and I thank her in my acknowledgement. Oh, I missed it. I'm sorry. I know, Usually I, I read them first. There, no, you know what? This is why acknowledgements to come in my. Okay, acknowledgements. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Yeah. So because she, she talks about the stuff, Mm -hmm. her characters are empathetic, they're flawed, they have wounds and their wounds connect them to Mm -hmm. everyone around them. Right. So she has a missing persons. It's not a detective, a child finder, essentially. And the reason that she's a child finder is because she herself was taken as a child and escaped, but has no memory of the past. And so it's that same thing, right? It's the, it's the, the thread that connects us. Mm-hmm. So what, what advice do you have to aspiring authors? I don't want to take all of your time, although I could talk to you about this all day. No, this is really fun. Yeah. We'll have to have a sequel sometime. Yes, I love it. Advice to aspiring writers is always follow your obsessions because they will lead you someplace rich. 
Never think about other people's stories and what they're doing. Never try to chase the marketplace. Never say, oh, I'm going to write a historical because that's selling, or I'm going to write a domestic thriller because that will get you in trouble every time. Like, what's calling you, right? What's the thing? What are the stories that's been over and over in your head? What are the characters, even from your past, that you can't quite, that girl, right, in high school, or that, whatever, a childhood friend, or some conversation you had that is continuing to speak to you, like write about those things and then read your face off, read your damn face off. I mean, a young writer who doesn't read is doomed. Nothing's going to happen. You can't write in a vacuum. You have to know it's possible. And I always have my council of elders, you know, the books that I have around me that are my dearest friends. And of course they terrify me because I could never right at that level, right? You have these things, these books that are just so beautiful, like Michael Cunningham's The Hours, mm-hmm. for instance, is a book I love, or just trying to think of another, it doesn't really matter, whatever those books are, have Marilyn Robinson's Housekeeping. It's a perfect book. I have it around me and I pick it up and Elizabeth Strout's My Name is Lucy Barton. That was great. Mm-hmm. Talk about a book that's talking about the stuff. Mm-hmm right? Not just entertaining, not just telling a story, but then doing that too, right? I believe the balance has to be there. You don't want to lecture people. You don't want to proselytize or get on a soapbox. Mm -hmm. But if you can tell a page-turning story and get people thinking about, for instance, their life's purpose, like, wouldn't you want to maybe have that conversation? too, because books can do that. Books feed our soul, right? They're the deep stuff. I completely agree. And I feel like your book, and I'm not just saying this, like what you did those things with this book, When the Stars Go Dark, it was masterfully written and really beautiful and memorable. And I'm glad you went there. So thank Thank you. you so much. Your support means everything and you're a delightful person. Thank you. So, so onward, keep reading, right? Keep reading your face off. I will. I will keep reading my face off. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm grateful to you. Take good care. care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 